What kind of things are you devoted to? It may be that you love sports, and if you do, you may be devoted to a team. You may even be devoted to a certain player that is very special to you. It may be that in the political realm, there are many things that are important to you. You may be devoted to a political party, and you may even yet be devoted to a particular candidate that you want to see serve as our next president. When you start thinking even within your own family, I'm sure that many of you this morning, due to our secular holiday that we celebrate, may have expressed your love and your devotion to your spouse, to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend, to let them know how devoted you are to them. As you begin to explore the idea of devotion, there is always this idea of commitment. How committed are you to them? to your team, to your party, to your candidate. And as I ask how committed you are to the Lord, I want to begin by exploring a question. What is the most important aspect of your spiritual life? I'm sure as you begin mentally to explore in your mind, maybe you're thinking it's my faith. Or it is the way I express my worship to God. As I go to passages in the Bible, I find God looking at me and saying how much of me he wants. For instance, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Oh, you mean God wants... My whole body is a devotion to him as a sacrifice. He certainly does. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul was writing the churches in the central area of what today is known as Turkey. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, that central, that area of Galatia. And he said to them, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As I continue to go to passages like Mark 8 and verse 34, Jesus said when he had called people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Take up his cross. It's a complete devotion to where the point I give, not just of who I am, I give myself. As Paul would write about the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, He said, they gave themselves to us and to the Lord. They gave themselves. Well, I want to focus your attention on Mark chapter 12. We're going to go back there, beginning with verse 28. We're going to go back through verse 31. I want to 
draw attention to some of the details of this passage, and then I want to tell you what I plan on doing over the next five weeks as we explore this part of God's Word. And Mark records, Then one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, ask him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. For just a moment... Let me point out to you the context in which this passage appears. The Sadducees had just sent to Jesus and wanted to know about the resurrection. In fact, they had posed what they thought was a scenario which the Lord couldn't answer, but he did. And when this scribe here, a man of the law, a man who knew it well, looks at Jesus and says to him, which is the greatest commandment of all? No, he asks, which is the first? But that's the same as asking, which is the greatest? Which one comes before them all? And the Lord's answer was to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and look at verses 4 and 5, which the Hebrews today call the Shema, which they repeat in their prayers. The Lord our God, the Lord, he is one. And it emphasizes the nature of God, not only that He is one in essence, but that God is the one. There's no other God besides Him. But then the Lord goes on to explain by using Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, He said, You shall love the God, the Lord your God, with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's going to function what will be our lessons. This morning we're going to talk about the heart, loving God with all of our heart and the emotional service that comes from that. We use the phrase, oh, I love her with all my heart. I love him with all my heart. I love my children with all my heart. God wants you to love Him with all your heart. And then your mind, which is your, or your soul, which is your spiritual service. Then your mind, which is your mental service. Then your strength, which is your physical service. And then we're going to take the Lord's follow up with that. And He said, You'll love your neighbor as yourself, which is your social service, among others. And That's what we're going to try to accomplish as we look at these lessons. But now let's back up. Let's take that first one and let's talk about the heart. There's so much in the Bible about the heart and 
when you start thinking about our heart, I want to begin with the thought of that the Bible talks about the pure heart. Create in me a pure heart, O Lord, or a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. I want to talk about our sanitizing or purifying, if you will, of the heart. The second thing I want us to explore is the fact of what our heart says. The heart itself speaks. And then finally, we want to look at how the heart serves, how the heart gives. As you and I begin to explore this idea, the heart of man is so important. Just like the physical organ. You know, there's a pump in your body that pumps the blood around, and it's called one of the vital organs because if it's not operating properly, you die. Do you realize that if your spiritual heart is not operating properly, you die spiritually? As you start thinking about that, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Take care of your heart. Make sure that you do what is necessary to preserve it, protect it. Because we realize the heart can become corrupted. Just like our physical organ, there can be uh, blockages that prevent it from being able to function adequately. And you need to realize there's things in your spiritual heart that can be wrong as well. Now go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is trying to talk about the condition of Israel. They weren't loving God with all their heart. In fact, they had allowed their love for and devotion of themselves and their idols to affect them. In chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah is saying, your hearts are wicked. It's become corrupted. You go to chapter 16, verse 12, and you have done worse than your father's. For behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart so that no one listens to me. God said, you're not living with any love for me. You're loving yourselves. If I could communicate anything to you this morning, I want you to think about your own heart and is it corrupted to the point where God is not that important. Your love, your devotion to Him, the emotional connection you have to, toward God is just simply not there. In Mark 7, verses 21 and 22, Jesus said, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, and then you can just keep going. You see, if my heart has become corrupt, then I'll start doing those things which God has forbidden. The things 
to use the phrase of Proverbs 6, These are, there are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. And Hebrews chapter 3, verses 10, going through verse 12, the Hebrew writer says, Therefore I was angry with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my way, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Oh, do you mean that there are people who come to church every Sunday morning who sit in the pews who's possible for their heart to depart from the living God? Let me tell you what happens in homes. It's called an alienation of affection where people no longer love their spouse like they ought. They grow apart. Do you know what's happening to many people? Is they're growing apart from the Lord. And you see, God is able to do something. He's able to look past the outward part and look all the way to the inward part of man. You see, as I look at you, I I can hear some of you sing and sing so beautifully. And I can be able to grasp your hand and shake your hand and see a smile on your face. And from everything that I see, you may appear to be a very strong, a very loyal, a very faithful Christian. But there could be something else in your heart. As God sent Samuel to anoint the second king of Israel, he told him to go to the sons of Jesse, and he's going, well, is it this one, is it this one, is it this one? And you get to chapter 16 and verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, for I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Oh yeah, he's looking at your heart this morning. In 1 John 3, verse 20, John is warning, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. God can see all the way to Tony's motivations. Why I do what I do, and yours as well. Thus, I ought to make sure that I try to do whatever I can to purify my heart. In James 4, verse 8, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Or 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. A pure heart. There's no mixture in there. Or Romans 6 verses 17 and 18 says that we obey from the heart that form of doctrine. I don't have any doubt that the day that you were baptized for the remission of your sins, that as you were presented with an opportunity, you said, I love the Lord. I want to do what's right. I want Him to save me from my sins. Is that love 
still as strong as it once was? Is that devotion as strong as it once was? That brings me to the second part of our lesson, and that is the heart speaks. It's one of the devotional songs that the young people sing that says, listen to our hearts. Listen to our hearts. Does the heart say something? Well, certainly it does. Sometimes it says bad things. In Matthew chapter 12, the Lord had just performed a miracle, cast out a demon, and there were some standing by who said, he does this by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And the Lord looked at them and pointed out that their hearts were hard. In fact, when you get to verses 34 and 35, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Now listen carefully. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. What's in your heart is what you're going to say. And someone says something mean and harsh and ugly and unkind and says, Oh, I really didn't mean to say that. Well, it was in your heart or you wouldn't have said it. I'm sorry, folks, but you can't apologize for things that you ought not to have said that you said because that was what was in your heart. It popped out of their mouths. And the Lord pointed out it was first in your heart. The heart speaks. And that's the reason why when you and I gather together as we have today and we're offering our praise, our adoration to God, and we're giving God praise and honor and glory for who He is and what He is. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing, now listen carefully, listen carefully, and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. When we sing the songs, are we making melody in our hearts to the Lord? I don't know whether you are or not because I can't see your heart, but God does. Am I just somehow mouthing the words Am I loving God with all of myself or am I somehow just existing? You look at your wife and say, I love you. And she looks at you and you say, I said it, but did you mean it? Oh, how I love Jesus. Do you mean it? Proverbs 16, 23. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Psalm 15, 1 and 2. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Of course, there's those of us who try to conceal what's in our hearts. In fact, quite often we will 
say one thing when we really have something else in our heart. And Psalms 12 and verse 2 says, They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart do they speak. You see, they're holding something back. They're saying something with their mouths. That's not what's in their heart. Proverbs 26, 25, when he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Jeremiah 9 and verse 8, their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart he lies in wait. Oh, we're, we're, we're going to flatter you. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. I want to caution us. As we offer our praise and our devotion to God, let's not do so blindly or mindlessly. Let's think about what we're doing. Let's speak from a devoted heart that loves God. Number three, the heart serves. Because the heart wants to serve. The heart looks for an opportunity. In Ephesians 6, verses 5 and 6, Bondservants, be obedient to your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service as men's pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. This morning, in just about 30 minutes or so, we'll be in our Bible classes. And in the class that we'll meet in the basement, we're studying the book of First Peter, and we're to chapter 2, and we're near the end of that chapter. And he's going to address those who are servants, just like he addressed servants here. And Paul will address Timothy about servants, and even Philemon about Onesimus. I could go into a great detail, but let me point out to you here, the idea of what he's discussing here is you do so from the heart. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians 3 and verse 17. You see, everything that I do, whether it's in my service to the uh, person who either owns me or employs me, or whether it's this position or that position, I'm doing it because I want to serve God. Because my heart is devoted. That's the way you and I serve God. You see, we make our plans in the heart. We think about what we're going to do. When you start thinking about the contribution that we participated in just a few minutes ago, and as you placed within that plate a gift giving back to the Lord. Paul would discuss that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or without a necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
Do you see, I purpose or I plan in my heart what I'm going to do because I know what I want to do. The love is already there. It's a service that is rendered because I want to please God. And faithful service comes from the heart. When I go to 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Consider what great things He has done for you. Look and see that the God of heaven has sacrificed His only begotten Son, John 3, verse 16. He's given you life, breath, and all things. That's what Paul told the Athenians in Acts chapter 17. In 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know the Lord, the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Solomon, you have a choice. You are God's king. You can willingly, lovingly give him your whole heart and serve him, or you can decide, I'm not going to. But you need to know there are consequences to that. We really are what we say in our hearts and who we are in our hearts. I really like the book of Proverbs as I planned this lesson and began to prepare for it. I recognize Solomon has such wise observations. He says, as water reflects face, or in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. There's so much profound thought in that. Just like you can look in that water and it's so clear and it reflects back perfectly what you look like. What you are in your heart is who you really are. If your heart is not with God, then you're not a faithful Christian. If your heart is devoted to the Lord and your heart is obedient to His will, then you have some real confidence. Now how am I going to know when my heart's right? The psalm's going to ask the question, is your heart right with God? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and marrow. Now listen, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, just like studying a lesson like this, and we take God's word and we listen to it and we meditate upon it and we begin to 
appreciate it, it begins to reflect back to us, am I devoted to the Lord? Am I loving God with all my heart? Now, if I have done my job, I've tried to cause you to think. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. It's going to take some soul searching. It's going to take some thought, some contemplation. Am I devoted to the Lord? Would you take your songbooks and let's prepare now to sing this song? There are some who evidently need to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need, because you love the Lord... To act. It's like a young man. He's head over heels in love with this young lady. But he's got to step up to the plate and say, I want you to be my wife. I want you to be the person I'm going to live with the rest of our lives. Some of you love the Lord. You believe that He is the Christ. You're willing to change your life by repenting of your sins. You're willing to confess Him, but you need to come and be baptized for the remission of your sins. You need to go through the full process of becoming a Christian. But the majority of this audience here this morning are Christians. I can't see your heart. The person sitting next to you on the pew can't see your heart. But God does. And God knows whether you are devoted in your heart or whether you are digressing, departing. I'd like to encourage you this morning, if you're a child of God whose life is not right, if you want to, we'll pray with you. You need to repent. And again, I said only God knows your heart. It may be what you need to do is repent and ask God to forgive you of the faithful faithlessness in your heart. But if you want to be restored to faithfulness, you want the prayers of this congregation, we want to encourage you to respond. And would you come as we stand and sing?